Oh, hi there, welcome to the Colson Boutique Show. Uh, joining me today via um, Putney Bridge to collect a 66 Chateau Latour Jeroboam. It's none other than uh, Mark Roberts, head of Juris Wine Department. Mark, thank you for joining us. How are you today? Very well. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. You're more than welcome. So yeah. um, let's get to it. How did your passion for wine begin? Um, how did it begin? I think... It's always quite hard to admit this, actually. I can still remember uh, my father being given two bottles um, when I was pretty young. I must have been 10 or something. Okay. And they were, it was a Lafitte and a Talbot. And I remember him letting us try them. And I... I know it's terrible to say. It's like sort of missing, but, but I remember liking. It sounds quite pretentious as well, but I remember liking the Lafitte more than the Torbert. I still remember it. I also remember sort of being dragged around France as a child, in the back of the car, and you know we used to drink quite a lot of Montbaziac. Well, my father and mother, actually, mum didn't. She doesn't really drink, but she didn't drink, but. Uh, you know, and it was just sort of peaked an in interest yes. that, and you know, I started working after university. I started working for Justerini and Brooks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was a great place to 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 to, to learn the trade oh, massively. Um, and it just opened up so many opportunities that you wouldn't have in smaller merchants. Or and it was really it was before the time of you know joining. Uh, it was before the time when people were talking about wet wine investment and all those things. It really was just all about wine. And the, all the directors' lunches upstairs. And uh, so we got to try the most fabulous wines. I think our managing director at the time, um, to go back to Latour, I think he, I don't know, I can't, I can't remember what vintage it was. That's how bad it was. That's right. how much we drank. <laughs> but uh, he had, I think actually it was 76, 76 oh. Latour. And what he liked to do is he'd have a number of lunches over a period of weeks and he would get quite sort of stuck into a few cases. Um, and there was always quite a lot left over. So we just had the opportunity then to drink things that no one aged yes. 20, 21 would nowadays joining the trade would ever have that or can even so afford it was quite no, like, can you afford yeah so it was quite hard to sort of break away if i wanted to do something else but it was it was a great company to to sort of cut your teeth in yeah, um, they're, a, they're a major so, st james's yeah. they're on st james's street yeah um i i, I don't know what, what it's like now i haven't i have friends still there but uh um everyone does different things i think they're still pretty good i think i think so yeah. i think so yeah i think so but um all right so uh, more folks on druids um they've built a great reputation auctioning from coins to arts antiques etc do you find that you have a large crossover of buyers you know do most people buy wines or who are buying wines rather tend to know what they're looking for uh, we don't have a huge crossover of, of, of buyers between us and the other departments. Um, we, we're trying to something we're trying to look at more. Um, it's you know there's there's things like watches and things like that. I've always felt there's more synergy. Um, they're, yeah, they're sort of yeah. collectors. Um, you could almost call luxury goods. Um, certainly for the the vendors, yes, there's a crossover. You know, people have selling big houses and, you know, there's always a seller under the, the furniture, so to speak. Yes. Um, but buyers, no, the buyers tend to be 
focused on wine uh, okay. and wine alone. Okay. But, you know, that's not to say we always should be doing more to <laughs> encourage people. Someone always used to tell me that um, uh, with uh, Christie's that the wine pipes always been very successful there but uh, but when Christie's started to um, really slim down and you know just have impressionists old masters and jewellery and you know not all the sort of smaller art departments that they kept wine at King Street because it always used to bring in new buyers for other departments it was a good it was a good hook yes yeah so um, and particularly for uh, the Asian market as well. Um, it was oh, always a nice huge. thing to draw people in. Um, but I think that was something good- that was also like a Selfridge's philosophy. Um, he would always, and even today, when you go to you go to Marble Arch, you go to Oxford Street, one thing that they're big on is the window display because it helps yeah. just lure people, people in. Yeah, and and yeah. wine has that exoticism about it where yeah. people just go, "What? That looks beautiful." The le- whether it's the label the large bottle formats yeah. had it presented the lighting it naturally it does bring people in yeah definitely you know so all right and you've been involved in the wine industry for over about 20 years now yeah 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 okay yeah, i was so- actually thinking about that on my way up actually i was, I was asked that question <laughs> um and i was thinking yeah well it is about 20 years i mean my first on primer vintage was was um the 2000, my real sort of one that I got involved with. That's not a bad thing to start yeah. off a visit. Um, so, because I was just thinking how it's sort of anticipating what I might be asked about things. And I was just thinking, oh, look, when you look back at those on promo ventures, you can sort of look at, track your career on yeah, on I don't do it these days, no. but uh, thank God, actually. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's quite, market. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. But the 2000 mm. was special. Yeah. Very yeah. special. Yeah, it was a game changer, I think. Um, in terms of, you know, it was when people really started to look at wine, certainly as an investment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but as something a little bit more than just boxes of grape juice. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So obviously from when you started off, we, we know you've arrived at Druitts um, now, but you, you touched upon it. You started off at Justerini. W- what has been your journey in between Justerini and uh, Druitts up until now? Um, very much sort of based uh, sort of private clients. Um, I So I spent a long time with Justerini's. Um, I looked after their, before they had a, uh, an office in Hong Kong. I looked after the the, the Hong Kong and Japanese business, um, and then we had a, another couple of guys who worked after the Singapore business. Um, that was when Hong Kong was very different wine market to it is now. You know, I, when I was there, uh, going out there um, and travelling, you know, it was eighty percent tax. Um, and I never got the luxury of working out there right. when it went down to 40 and then... They, completely then, abolished. Yeah. Completely. Um, and, I mean, it was interesting when I had a big client there um, who was the financial secretary um, who had an extraordinary collection of wine. And I said, what, what are we going to do about this 80% tax? And he said, well, you know, while I'm in charge... I, I can't bring the tax down because it's going to look suspicious. <laughs> look yeah. suspicious. <laughs> I think later on, actually, he got done something, something to do with his home, sort of building an extension or something, which they're very strict on. But he was a, he was a charming man. And, um, but so, yeah, that was... Uh, so I spent uh, a lot of time uh, working on those clients. Um, I then did... 
when I say I took a break, I um I just needed a change actually. I needed uh, I was sort of getting slightly bored of London and um and I had an opportunity to go and work for um Emirates Airlines mm. doing their drinks over there, looking after their um export side um within the regions so the dry countries um diplomatic missions the islands you know the maldives and um those sort of places in um zanzibar and those sort of areas um and hotel groups and i was there for a year it wasn't actually how i um envisaged it would be it was it was a it was out of my comfort zone. I enjoyed it, um, but it was a very different environment. And I sort of took the decision that, you know, I either stay and, you know, not come back for a long time and really stick it out, or I had the opportunity to come back and work for Good House and Company. Yes. um, Who, a very similar setup to Just Reading Brooks, quite a lot of sort of refugees from Just Reading Brooks um, in terms of staff. Um, I knew them well. And yeah, it was was the right move. And so doing very much, but it was sort of much more on the broking side um, than straight private clients. Um, It was a great, great company, actually. Um, So that was that. And then a few years ago, I took the plunge to start my own business. Um, I have to say I was sick of the commute. Um, And... And then luckily, uh, so I started my business, which is great. And then actually this opportunity with Druitts came up to work in tandem with it um, and completely separate. I keep them, um, I don't buy anything. If a client comes to me through Druitts, you know, I'll never think, oh, that could do for my company. You know, it's a clean break down the middle. Um, so I still do cl- private clients, yet I have the auction side on the... Uh, it's true. South- Southeast Asia, they... They changed the market in quite a major way. Um, I, I remember our director was going over to to Hong Kong as an example, and um, at the time there were collectors who just wanted to have ten thousand pound bottle at the time of Domaine de la Romney Conti, and he wanted it placed above his fireplace. And I said, "Well, why, why do you want it there? It's, it's, if you keep it there and you're going to put the fire on, it's going to ruin it. I don't care." It shows who I am. It shows what I'm, what I'm about. Mm. Who I know. Mm. I've got access to stuff that my other, you know, colleagues or, you know, business rivals or whatever don't have access to. Mm. And I remember mm. seeing this one article on um, uh, China Daily USA, which was show me your, show me your Ferrari, and I'll show you my wine cellar. Mm. And again, just so much wealth was just being you know made you know the people were making these private wine setters and spending a million two million US dollars and then just filling it up with yeah. a lot of fine wine so and it still seems to be that way um, tastes do seem to have changed which kind of leads on to the next question like so obviously for ourselves we've we've seen that the wine market has evolved considerably um, and in the time which you've been involved um, again what changes have you seen in terms of taste like, because again market used to be uh, Bordeaux 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 almost yeah. to a large degree have you seen much difference from beyond Bordeaux or would you say yeah. still Bordeaux still king definitely Bordeaux reigns supreme and I think always will it's going to take 100% uh, 
I don't think anything can knock it off its nothing. Perch. Um, nothing. You know, there's the the only pretender to its throne, but it's such a small region comparison is, is are, are the Tuscan wines, and they are trying to emulate Bordeaux anyway. So yeah, uh, well, the super Tuscans, not yes. that, that's unfair on, on Tuscany, <laughs> generalised like that. But uh, but the Bordeaux blends, sure. in, in, the only people that I think you know uh, can. Um, and they just don't have the the, the, the production term, um, and that's the thing with Bordeaux is it 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 has the production. It does. Um, and you know when 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 you're looking at um, certainly the top end, and if you look when you're looking at a first growth mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and the volume now, what is it now? Ten thousand cases. <sighs> Ten, the normal vintage these yeah, days. Ten, you know, ten, it used to be used to 20, be 20, 30, yeah. I think 82 Lafitte and the tour made 30, 35,000 cases. That's right. Um, but still 10,000 cases is a lot, is, is a lot of wine, of, of wine at that price point, whereas a Californian equivalent would be 500 cases, 1,000 exactly. cases. Exactly. Uh, so Bordeaux will always remain king because it has that critical mass. And I think, you know, with... Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why, not just because Bordeaux is Bordeaux, but sure. when it first took off in Asia, having that volume on the market allowed people to buy it, you know, yes. that, which is why Burgundy didn't take off so quickly. When people were coming into the wine market, um, if there were only 30 cases available um, of something you didn't really know much about, but you knew the the, 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 the the label was instantly recognizable yes. um, and the reputation was there, much easier to, to go into that. But obviously, since we've seen Burgundy prices skyrocket, um, yeah. go insane, I think. in a lot House of, prices, some instances. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, um, a magnum of 85 Richborg by Jaya in the next auction. Um, and I saw one had sold at Sotheby's last week or week before last. Um, admittedly, it was from originally from Jaya's original seller that was sold in 2012 or something. So the provenance was fantastic. Yes. And that sold in Asia for, when you talk about house prices, for £138,000. <laughs> amazing. Know, that yeah. is house prices. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so the prices have gone. But, you know, as you were saying before about the man with the thing on his mantelpiece saying, this is what I've got. You know, if, if, if you buy a bottle of wine for £135,000, I mean, they're not all like that, obviously. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, we're in a, you're an important client of mine. I can tell you exactly how much you're worth to me. Sure. With a bottle of wine. Definitely. In a subtle way. Absolutely. And, and in a sort of classy way as well. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, There's nothing brash about it. That's nothing brash about it. No. So, you know, there are, there are, yeah, I mean, there are I mean, some prices of, of Burgundy. I think things like a lot of the Premier Cruise now, I think they're, I think they're expensive what they are. But mm-hmm. my mind is still sort of 10 years ago, wine prices wise with Burgundy, where yeah. a good Bourgogne should be 12 quid, not. No, 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 absolutely. Anyway, anyway. Um, but in terms of, yeah, I mean, where have I seen the changes? There's so many changes, so many changes. Um, and, uh, but Bordeaux still Bordeaux King. still reigns. Without yeah, question. Without. without question. Okay, brilliant. Now, 
you may not want to answer this, um, and that's fair enough, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, it was reported by the likes of Bloomberg, South China Morning Post, and uh, other major financial outlets. The firm used to represent Emirates invested half a billion dollars into their, their fine wine initiative. They're all about it. They're all about <laughs> it, for sure. And, and 2005 was there when they first went with a blank check. Wow. Because they go down. 2005 vintage. Right. That's not a bad vintage to start off with yeah. either. Um, but what. Is their strategy purely, okay, what is the best thing we can serve on the plane? Or is it also, well, we can see that wine does have a decent appreciation year on year if you get of course the right price brand representation etc etc in your opinion again if you don't want to comment um, you don't need to are they looking at it from a purely consumption standpoint or do you think that they're also looking at okay well 100 million has appreciated 30-40% let's sell some of that on maybe balance the books where, where the losses were made through say COVID-19 or whatever yeah. but let's also use some of that um, that money to replenish our sellers mm. I can't comment on what they were doing now when I was there and the reason why they bought the 05 vintage was, was consumption um, the only way to really sell it was on aeroplanes okay. to, to, to get rid of it I mean, the volumes were extraordinary. I have to say, you know, I looked at the spreadsheet numerous times and valued it, some of it. Um, I think there was always, you know, there was always an idea that uh, if it could make money, I think, why not? Um, But the volumes were, yeah, they they were mind-blowing. They they went to 05. They'd never, they must have bought a little bit before here and there, but they, they came into... Bordeaux in, for the 2005 vintage sort of like you know when Aladdin riding through the town <laughs> I mean they really with their checkbooks open and yeah. um, and but most, most I think it really was um, it was it was to drink on the aeroplanes you know they saw um the market there they were obviously increasing 05 was still relatively young for Emirates then you know Emirates didn't know, I don't know how big it is in terms of planes flying these days compared to them but but I remember once I was sort of tasked to go out they didn't have they didn't have things like Petrus or anything like that right on their books you know they couldn't even however big a checkbook they still couldn't break into that, that territory sort of, that sort of territory sure they had a lot of first growth and a lot of uh second grace and things but yeah I mean, it was an impressive but I was tasked to once on their inaugural flight from Emirate from from Dubai to New York non-stop um, and they wanted to serve 82 Petrus wow. in first class that was their you know this is what's the best wine Mark well if you really want to make a splash <laughs> so to speak um 82 Petrus, go for 82 Petrus. So we bought, they didn't have any Petrus in the cellars there, so we bought it from the UK. And, but every time I bought a case, the price went up by 20%. Yeah. I think the, I can't remember the exact figures. Sure, but yeah, sure. Um, the three cases we bought, you know. Petrus is <laughs> better 82, with, yeah. It started, I can't remember what it was. I mean, it probably looks cheap now. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah. But, so they did buy, uh, but that's the sort, they weren't saving Petrus 82 on every flight. But, you know, you could probably, you'll be certainly be getting on first class 
you know, you you get a lot of Grand Prix Lacostes. You get sure. a lot of I don't know. Lynch Barge was famous for Cathay Pacific, wasn't it? That's Lynch, yes. Lynch Barge got its name because it was always served in got its name it got its name in Asia right and okay. they like it because it was always served in, in Cathay first class right it wow. was quite a smart wow. sort of move yeah, um, but you know you would be drinking up to second growth quality in Code first class. yeah I'm not sure of first growth in first class the first growth they had may, may have been earmarked for just a, um, just a little quick sidetrack I mean <laughs> Do wines taste, because again, it's a common question that gets asked to me when I mention this to, to clients, but do wines taste differently on a, on a plane when they're compared to... No idea. People no say idea. they do. Yeah. People say they do, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's... Yeah, perhaps they do. I'm not sure. I think when we can start flying out to France, we should take first class and, and maybe... We'll find out. There yeah, we'll find <laughs> out. There are worse ways. There's an easy way to find that out. Exactly. I think a lot of it's probably that you probably get served it in tiny little glasses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Half bottles or... Yeah. yeah. yeah I think there's probably an argument that yeah. it does. I've, 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 it's not something... I have heard it, but it's not something I sort of dug into. Also, um, one thing to tick off the list for yeah, the future. Yeah, we will do it together. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> All right, so let's fast forward to you joining Druitt's. Yeah. You you did touch upon it. So you started your your uh, your business before you decided to obviously have this opportunity to work with Juris. But how did that opportunity come about? Uh, it came about purely because um, a client of mine, um, Juris, was going through quite a lot of changes. They'd just been bought um, bought by a company called Ger Johns and. Uh, I think there were big staff shakeups, and I think they were uh, the, the business was changing, um, and they didn't have a wine specialist. And I think at that stage, I think he had left. I don't know where he'd gone. Um, and my client phoned up to enter some wine into Dritz, and they came back and said, "Well, we don't really know what's going on with the wine department at the moment." So um, th- he said, "Why don't you just give them a ring and see if, th- if there's anything?" And you know, I. When we're in business, can be up and down, and school fees and things were looming, and uh, and I thought, you know what, nice bit of extra income if I can do it. And um, I had actually long before Justerini's, um, just just straight after university, just waiting, looking for around what I wanted to do. I did work for Christie's for a bit just to help oh, out. Lovely. Um, so so I knew, and I liked the auction world, um, and I knew it a bit. And I thought, well, do you know what? I'll. I I called them up and I said, I understand you need a bit of help at the moment sorting out sort of the mess that was left behind in the wine department sure. and uh, I didn't put it like that and they <laughs> said yeah fine I mean it was the easiest quickest interview I've ever had in my life um, and so I got there and Diane who I work with is just absolutely fantastic and I think we just we just looked at it what had happened over the last few months and we've got this so much potential here sure. Um, and with the support of Ger Johns, and they said, there's so much potential here, but we just need to sort out this mess. So we, and I didn't even know if I was just going to stay two days, two weeks, two months, whatever, turned into whatever it is, three years. Um, and I just, I, it just sort of reminded me how much I like the auction world. Yes. Um, and it was, I'd like sorting out something that needed sorting out that sort of got real enjoyment so we've sort of hopefully turned it round into a a proper sure. wine department within 
Well, um, one of, well, a couple of questions down the line that we're going to get onto that. And I think that's going to be a reflection of, again, a lot of the hard work you've been putting in. Yeah. Um, but before we get into that point, obviously, you mentioned you love the auction room. It is, it is a magical place, magical yeah. place. Yeah. And it can be a very high energy, ambitious environment. What is it you enjoy about conduction um, auctions? Um, I... I don't know, actually. I, I like... I mean, I, I've i never conducted any other auction apart from a wine auction. Um, I quite like the, the, the... There's something about being in control of... Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've never thought about it. I enjoy it. Sure. Um, I think it's a real honour to be up there. I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a nice... Uh, it's a great opportunity to be given to do um, it's a nice skill to have you know it's you can teach yourself you know it's good for listening it's good for good for your maths yes um, working out all the numbers <laughs> which helps. is always good for me um, and I think it's yeah it's, it's sort of theatre um, yeah massively it's good fun it's, and, they, it's, and the it's clients love it as well don't they yeah because if yeah, they're going to spend so. that kind of money they want to feel it's slightly entertained yeah, absolutely because yeah. you cannot be afraid of of dealing with large figures from these yeah. people because like you said it's that confidence that gives them the confidence to want yeah. to know that they're buying from the right person and the right firm yeah. so I imagine you've you've definitely been a part of some some of these famous spinning wars that we're all um, accustomed to I say we but people within the industry are accustomed mm. to how, how can you sense when there's going to be a bidding war is it when it's a certain clientele that you know is uh, you know a big spender or there could be like a, a friendly rivalry between certain clientele is it when you know that there is a certain wine or wines which has been on the waiting list where clients say to you right uh, Mark, we're after I don't know, Cheval Blanc 2000 or um, Le Fleur 1982. But you know, you've got several other bidders interested and you know they're going to be there on that day. Can you sense it from that moment onwards or is it really when... I think you say it's from the book. When you see on the book, on the bids, um, on the books, you know, obviously this year there's been no auctions in the room. Everything no. everything has been... Um, although we can hold an online auction, a, a, li a live auction like this, it's all been uh, via the internet um, and, and commission bids. Mm -hmm. um, for, the, for the sort of top-end wines, you know, the, the, the actual, the, the real... Uh, the bidding war does take place um, on the book and online um, and uh, the room bidding um, certainly at Druitt's tends to be much more for drinking wines uh, I eat a good Bordeaux sure, good Burgundy sure. those sort of things sure. um, I've never experienced being in a room um, taking an auction where you've got you know uh, two people trying to you know Go out, go, go out of the yeah. way. I mean, I've been been in auctions when they ha that has happened, yes. but never held one myself. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. But I think there is a, there is always that. Um, certainly, that case of two people who know each other, um, yeah. there can be that uh, element of it. Definitely. Um, um, and uh, certainly, in sort of when you do evening auctions when there's a little bit of drink flowing wow. that is probably that's yes that's what happens 
That's um, when the magic really 11 happened. o'clock in the morning on the, in Newbury. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit more gentleman-like, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, there's none of that. All right. Um, but I'd love to be a part of it one day once we get back to normal. And we're going to, you know, we've got many plans when it comes to our auctions, the wine auctions. So over the next couple of years. So hopefully we'll be doing more of those sort of evening things that perhaps we can Definitely. people's. All right. So only last month then, Druitz, I don't know how you guys managed to or who you know, but you were able to acquire a bottle of Screaming Eagle 1992. I believe from my notes here, what the, I know it's the first thing she ever made, mm. but it was one of only three, uh, one of three bottles available on the global market. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, hey, how did you how did you manage to get that number one? But also, what was what was the sale like for that? Well, the actual sale it was in was fantastic. That that bottle there, um, it's a, it. They are tricky to sell, Screaming Eagles. You know, they are. They have their price. They're the sort of things that you might see in hedonism. In, in yes, in, I think they've got a magnum for. Of, it, of the same wine for 40,000 yes. quid sort of thing that you will see on a shelf there for crazy money um, to me I think we valued it at sort of seven, eight, nine thousand pounds for that bottle I always believe with those things you have to aim for the stars for the first time and you That's might sad. get lucky we didn't sell it that auction actually um, sadly we sold we had a bottle of white which sold Two and a half thousand of white Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon yeah. Blanc, yeah, that's the 2013, which was their first vintage of Sauvignon Blanc. They make one barrel of the stuff. Oh, um, so, so it's rare. So it's rare. Yeah. So it's almost two and a half thousand pounds of a bottle of the Sauvignon. Um, but I did want to sort of aim for the stars with the with the red. Um, it's going into our next auction actually at a bit less, sort of four to five, sure. which I think was probably the right price. Sure. Um, but. You know, I didn't want. I didn't want. When I, I didn't want to undersell it. Not having sold a lot of Screaming Eagle in my life, absolutely, you don't really see it. You know, for people who don't know it, it's it's the cult cabernet oh, Sauvignon massively. Uh, from Napa Valley. It um, is, and uh, yeah, and the '92 is what. Just the flagship, Mike Seven Parker, yeah. owned by Stan Kroenke um, yeah. or Kroenke. No, it's 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 marvelous for sure. I remember even seeing. What, on a wine spectator article, albeit it was a charity auction, but there was a, I believe it was, it may have even been a Jared Bone, it was a six litre mm. anyway. Most expensive wine ever sold. Yeah, isn't it? half a million half dollars. Half a million for a, yeah, for Real. a. Crazy. You know, even for a charity auction, that's, that's, cool, that's a lot of money for one yeah. bottle. Yeah. It would have to taste good at that yeah. price, but um, <laughs> all right, fair enough. But um, okay, so for yourself, yeah. pers- personal preference, is there a particular vintage? and brand that you would love to aside from the Screaming Eagle Night 2 that you would love to get your hands on to have the pleasure of selling so that's something you can say on your on your CV if you wish right I've sold this I like a Domaine de la Romney Conti 45 or Mouton 45 or um, Le Pan 82 or Cheval Blanc 47 are there any of those that um, not just those examples but any others out there where you've always thought right I would love to be able to deal with that well actually Cheval 47 I'd love to find a perfect case of Cheval 47 I don't think they exist actually I'm not convinced I mean that would be the holy grail because you actually see 47 Cheval pops up quite a bit not Chateau bottled um, normally merchant bottled and they're 
they're never in particularly good condition. You know, they're, they're, they're not as rare as people think, the 47 Chevel. Um, it's something I'd love to try. I mean, that would be something quite... Uh, but I just don't... I think, you know, that, that just doesn't exist. No. Um, I think... Where would you like to sort of really delve into? Um, and we've got some 45s coming up in the next sale. I mean, that's a vintage that... Um, has that sort of romantic notion to sort of the celebration of vintage. Uh, but I think actually you did say that Chevrolet 47, I think if I could find some of that. That would be. Which is without question in great condition. And I, people would, with, with the right provenance, I think when you talk about a bidding war, something like that. That would um, make all sorts of records. Yeah. Definitely. But whatever the domain, whatever the chateau have, tucked yes. away there there will never no. it'll never come out and it uh, it'll be um, it's part of history yeah that's yeah. part of their history um, I'd love to know how much they've got if they do have uh, <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. we never know we so, never know. You know I mean that to me is the sort of iconic wine you know it was meant to meant to still be young now it is it's meant to yeah. last still a good few years you yeah. know it's got big scores and big reputations so yeah. We'll yeah. see, but um, all right. So of course, nineteen hundred Margot. If you could find, if you could find something, yeah, yeah that's that uh, the other one I'd love to try. Uh, um, yeah. Oh, these are the, that, sort of the classics, though, aren't they? they are. Yeah. I remember. I think there was even an auction several years ago on Lafitte's directly from the sellers of selling off like 1870s and 1895s and whatnot and but like I said they're historic and people yeah. would buy it from that standpoint yeah. you know even like um, shipwrecked champagne and yeah. things like yeah. that that's, that's that'd it. be quite fun I mean that's the beauty of auction you know those are the things that come your way that wouldn't necessarily go no. you know shipwrecked you know things that have been under the Barents Sea for however long and yeah exactly and uh, but they're actually talking about that. that that's sort of going off tangent I think Margot um, and, and Champagne Houses, but I think Chateau Margot, not only they are experimenting with screw caps. That's true. Um, but they're also experimenting with aging their wine underwater. Wow. Yeah, well, once wow. it's a bottle. That's, that's like a bit of, it, So it's a yeah. absolutely constant temperature. Wow. Yeah. That should be interesting. I'll see before they put the, the labels on. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. It affects the provenance. <laughs> but yeah. okay, in terms of. In terms then of, um, you know, countries, we, we mentioned, of course, Southeast Asia um, and obviously a number of your auctions held in Newbury, London, etc. What country, in your opinion, is leading the way in terms of buying up the prime lots of these ultra wines? And also, what's been the most surprising location of any recent buyers? And what I mean by that will be like a country, like winning bid was won in Brazil or in Mexico or... Brazil is your first. We, we've been selling to Brazil, funny enough, um, which in, in recent auctions, in the last three auctions, we've had more and more clients coming from Brazil. Um, and, and sorry, Sinjia, are, are they Brazilian? Again, this Brazilians. might be anonymous. They're actual... They're Brazilians, and wow. they've been shipped out to Brazil. They're not keeping them here. They're, they're getting... Um, the US is always a massive market. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah. forget about it. Yeah, um, they do. But it is, I mean, you know the US market well, um, but it is a huge market it's that, you know, most, um, a lot of UK merchants don't do a huge amount with the, with the US. 
auction houses do. Yes. Um, but they, do, I don't think people really, but, you know, the, the, the UK has always looked towards, looked east rather than west. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that there's no trade between sure. the UK and, and the US, but... Predominantly. Predominantly, they've always looked, they've looked east. Um, I remember one very well um, known merchant, I think, who did, he used a huge amount of business in America. That was, we'll both know who they are. But, and their market dropped off in America yeah. and they replaced it and then never looked back with Macau. But didn't bother going back to America That's after crazy. they just kept, kept their business crazy. in America. Crazy. Anyway, um, so the Americas, I think, you know, there's lots of Asia will always be be, 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 be be interested in wine. I think China has been a more a difficult market. I think um, than it had been. I think it, they people got their fingers burnt in the 2010 vintage Bordeaux. Oh, massively. Um, and when there was a lot of cancelled orders. Um, yeah. That part of the world, Singapore is a great market, but for everything, you know, they have such an eclectic taste and it's a much... Um, the, the, the high taxes in, in, in places like Vietnam is just holding that back. That's not going to happen. Um, same with Australia, um, and they have their own wine. India, you're 300% tax, and they're making their own wine. They don't have the restaurant culture that... Um, it's, it's just people can talk about... It. I, I bet there's some very wealthy Indians mm-hmm. with some wonderful sellers, but who yeah. knows how they... Yeah. Um, so the actual, you know, the, none of the big countries, certainly the, the um, and have made any real indents into the fine wine market. It, has, it is still Asia. When I say Asia, that's China, Hong Kong, yeah. Singapore. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of countries obviously will have sm- multiple big buyers, but not, not enough to really sort so of make, make a, a dent, huge Im- impact on things. Um, but I think the US market is still... That, like Bordeaux, I think, would always remain king. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for People sure. Forget just how rich it is. Yeah. How rich and how wealthy Americans Absolutely. are. And they, and, they, um, and they love to spend it. And they like to spend it. Yeah. You know, it's all... Um, so, and that's a market, you know, we're doing more uh, with America. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, it's... Um, and the UK is a, is a good market. Yeah. It's a very good... You know, London... Still like to think is the is the centre of the fine wine trade in the world. Yeah, um, certainly people is. might argue with that, but sure. and probably put up some pretty good reasons. But I, th- I think we're still there. I think we're. I think we're, we are in terms of how we deliver it. I think we understand the culture a lot better. Yeah, you know the Americans are more. Even though they're into their wines, they're also there's the beer, there's the bourbons, there's yeah. the whiskies. You know, Southeast Asia is still sake, and it's still you know other whiskies, Japanese whiskies, and whatever else. But we we do it best. We've got that history of doing it best. But um, all right, some fun, quick fire questions, and then we'll have to wrap oh, things up. Okay. So I'm going to give you individual regions, and you give one wine. You can even give a vintage year from that region uh, that you'd love to drink yeah. before you kick the bucket. Uh, Not to be too grim, but yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But uh, okay, so we're going to start off Bordeaux. Uh, for, this is bucket list stuff. Bucket list stuff. Bucket. Um, well, where where would we go? Um, Shovel 47? It's got to be that, isn't it? It's got to be Shovel 47. Or 45, maybe? Or? No, I think it's going to be Shovel. I just want to... Yeah, I want to taste Shovel 47. Properly. Good shout. All right. Um, a region I know you love, Burgundy. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I Chablis. I love Chablis. Okay. Yeah. I just think that's my sort of go-to white. Right. Um, Great white as well. It is. Okay. Roan. Rhone, 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 Rhone. Oh, God. Would it be a um, Guigal Lala? Would it be a Chateauneuf de Pape? Or? Uh, quick fire, uh, I don't know, a mature Chateauneuf, I think. Yes. Mature, but it's got to be mature. Yes. But it's 78, they sort of been. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's the go to. Yeah. That's the go to. Fair um, enough. You've got expensive taste there, but. I- <laughs> yeah. Or um, <laughs> great taste, should I say? Great. I like Hate Rhone's. I mean, um, I like everyday Rhone's. I think they're. Oh, they're beautiful. You get a good one well, that's well made. Um, I've recently started importing one from, from Plan de Dieu, which is a sort of small vineyard um, in the Cote d'Irene, and it's just real freshness to it. Yeah. Those sort of things. I think if you get the right vineyard in Cote d'Irene, without some of them could be a bit there. Yes. But All right. Good grow. A bit like Burgundy. Yes. You get the right grow in the Rhone. Yeah. Um, and they can do wonders. Definitely. Uh, champagne. Not a massive champagne drinker. Okay. Best one I had the other day, well, not the other day, best one I've had recently, my brother bought it out, was Dom Rionart 98. Wow. And it is sensational. Well, it was sensational. It was. Uh, a couple of Christmases ago, I had that with my brother. Wow. And that was the most memorable champagne I've had for a long time. I'm not a great, it's quite soporific sure. champagne for yeah. me. All right, fair enough. Each their own. But, um, okay, and uh, Tuscany. Uh, Tuscany, Tuscany, Tuscany. Or Piedmont, uh, or Italy as a whole. Um, Piedmont, uh, Scavino wines, I think, are fantastic. Um, Tuscany. Um, in terms of, I like Celia actually. Celia is a good. It's a very good wine. Yeah, very good wine. Yeah, there's a bucket. I haven't had it much, but. When There's I a bucket it, list, what about Saskai 85? I've had it, I've had it. Um, and it's, it's really good. I mean, it, I had it when it was a quarter of the price. <laughs> it was still very expensive. I, I had it, um, I went to a wine tasting at Christie's, um, a Saskai one, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, and they were showing it then. And it's funny, it was one of those wines that I told people, the 85 Saskai, it was one of my tips for people should buy it when it when they saw it yes. and um i think i've been proved right i don't know how much it is now what is it Ten thousand for six or something like that no, you're, looking a it... lot, you're looking a lot more you're looking more i would say 12 to fifteen thousand, depending on yeah. country location hedonism got it for nearer to twenty thousand pounds yeah. i believe hong kong you're looking twenty five thousand pounds yeah and that's like a six to twelve bottles that, and that's dependent on merchant yeah. and supplier as well so yeah. it's a lot of money a lot of money yeah considering it probably cost only a couple hundred yeah. pounds back then so yeah. and i imagine you can probably if you if you do your your research some of the recent vintages of Tassakaya you know, um, up there in they won't be far off that quality of oh, 85 when they and you know they're probably the 2016 actually um, the yes, wine that advocate pretty, the wine yeah it yeah. was given up 100 points to Monica and they're probably 1200 quid a case now or something like that yeah they're really like that. so actually you know so good, things so, to look, look out for are those Sassikaya. definitely I think def- and they've broken through um, we go so things like Sassakaya have broken through that uh, into uh, that market of they have. Of, of, of of a brand massively and, and, it's a, and it's obviously a Bordeaux blend yes um, but they're very well recognised yeah. for sure for sure alright so last couple of questions before we wrap things up then you've just finished a long tough but successful day in the auction room right. what's your go to food and wine pairing for that evening 
Um, go to wine pairing. Um, God, what would it be? What would it be? What would it be? Well, I, like, I like a, like a nice. I like some inspiration. if I go for like a decent, quite quite simple in that respect. But give me a decent steak and a decent bottle of a classic Bordeaux. See, yeah. I like a young Bordeaux, yeah. like a 2015. Yeah, I'm two, with you in that. 2009, 2010. Yeah, with you. That and a steak, or even if I'm feeling a bit glamorous, the steak tatar. Yeah. Give me some chips. Yeah, know, it's got to be simple, isn't it? Yeah, got to be simple food. For me, yeah, tough day in the office. Done what needs to be done. So, right, darling, can you please get some steak on? Get the chips on. Get maybe a nice salad. Yeah. I'll bring home a bottle. Yeah, I don't know. For me, that's. I'm sort of with you on that. Um, I would have. Uh, I have. I've, I had one the other day. It's still my favourite food, which is grouse um, oh. and burgundy. I think that's got to be it. That is. That's the ultimate. That's a very me, good pairing. A very good <laughs> yeah, pairing. That's probably me. I mean, it sounds very pretentious, but All actually... Right, edit my answer, Alan. Nothing's going to top that. My word. But, uh, yeah, I just got it. It's good. I treat myself to one grouse a year. Wow. Um, and uh, I, I could probably go stretch to two, but I always think it might spoil my annual Yeah, my annual grouse. it might do. So. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> All right. So that's probably... Yeah. And if you could give yourself younger advice, give your yeah, younger self advice rather, go back in time, mm. what would it be? Uh, for, for, for wine, for, for in the uh, wine Maybe business. just as like a, just as like a, as a whole, like, yeah, maybe for, for a career perspective or... Um, for wine, if I was telling someone um, uh, going to the wine trade, it would be take as many notes as you possibly can and just... And listen, and and listen as much as you can to people. Um, and I, I, I hear a lot of, and I don't. I may have been like this. I'm sure someone can correct and tell me I was. Um, but I meet, you know, some young wine merchants um, who think they know a lot about wine, and I certainly don't know a lot about wine. I know as much as I've learnt so far. Sure. God, it changes every minute. Yes. Um, I think it's to be. I think with anything in life, be really humble. Agreed. <laughs> I know there's people who would say, "No, you want to be swaggy, swaggy, swaggy." Yeah. About. But I think, you know, be humble. Yes. And uh, life is just a little bit easier that way. You know. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. No, brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then lastly, if yeah. you if you were not involved in wine, full stop. Yeah, enough to do with wine. Go back to when you was 10 years old and you didn't try any Talbot or Chasse Lafitte. What career do you think you would be involved in? What career would you like to be involved in if you wouldn't? Um, I don't know. I have to say, I've, I, well, I have to, I do sort of know. I think I like, um, I'd quite like to have gone actually into the sort of the, sort of the diplomatic core. Um, I don't think I would have got the results the acad- I don't think I could have got the the, 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 the exams to do it but it's something that I did think about you know it was something that I thought about all the way through school um, but I think you know I needed better I'm, yeah. I, I'm not very good at exams okay <laughs> <laughs> I worked hard but I just yeah I fell at the last hurdle you've done right for yourself yeah but it's been I th- I'm, I'm very pleased I went into the wine industry and I think it's it does give you a lot of opportunities um, like everything it it, it, it it has its has some major faults and but, you know whatever career you go into it um, but it's it's given me some really interesting opportunities but I think it's 
I think you've got to be with one. You've got to be entrepreneurial. Um, and I'd, I'd like to be. I, learn, I, I don't think I'm a natural entrepreneur in any way at but all. But who is? But who who is? is? You learn as um, you go. But I think you, if you're going to the wine business, you do need that a bit of an entrepreneurial flair, flair to you. Oh, flair, definitely. Flair. Yeah. That's good advice. That's great advice. No, so, okay, well, uh, Mark, I'm going to let you go and grab your Jerry Boma 6-6 Thank you very much. Tour, Thank And you. Uh, good luck with the Screaming Eagle sale uh, yeah, next yeah. time round. Yeah, the, the next auction's in November, so yeah, I'll let you know um, what we've got. And, uh, and uh, when they start accepting flights to Bordeaux, maybe that's when we can sample. We'll do our first. Uh, definitely. We don't need to do them first we'll class, do, podca- do we? No, well, no. <laughs> Economy, we but... We should do yeah, it. it. might taste Exactly. We, we can have a podcast, you know, for that yeah. as well, but uh, we'll see. But uh, <laughs> uh, thank you very much once Thank again you. and um, all the best for now. Good stuff.